There are two things that we're going to look at uh, this afternoon. The power of Jesus displayed, and the power of Jesus is to be trusted. First, the power of Jesus displayed. We're journeying through Mark's gospel. We're rediscovering the real Jesus from Mark's account. If we look at society today, there's such a varied view of this man. Who is the real Jesus? I remember a few years ago, uh, we did a, a survey in the middle of Vista. We asked that question. Just the random people. Who do you say Jesus is? And the response... Well, two groups, I guess. Uh, one group, a very definitive view of who Jesus was. In their mind, uh, they knew uh, the answer. Uh, and then uh, another group uh, who looked at you as though you just punched them in the face. They've never been asked such a question. It's an irrelevant question to themselves, to their life. Not bothered would be uh, the answer. But to those in the first category who have quite a, a definitive view uh, of Jesus, uh, perhaps we could um, group them into categories too. One um, didn't even exist. I'm just certain he didn't exist. I don't know what the fuss is all about. Uh, and then if he did, well, I don't know, just mad, a bit wild, really. Uh, perhaps then there's others um, that have... Um, I guess maybe a better way, maybe a better understanding of him, uh, and would talk about him being a good teacher, talk about him being a moral man, talk about a guy who certainly cared for people. And then there'd be another group who would say, Jesus, I know Jesus. Well, he's God in human form. And he came for a purpose. He came for a reason. He came for me. But what are we to do with this man? Town Church Vista, on a Sunday, late February 2018. What are we to do with this man? And here's Mark's issue throughout the whole book. Here's the issue he's trying to address. He's helping us to, redis to rediscover the real Jesus. And through his narrative, to understand what a right response to him looks like. And as we see in this wonderful story, this great story, we come face to face with the real Jesus and we see his incomparable power what are we to do with him let's seek to see what the disciples did with him to understand what it means for us today, you see there in verse 41, let's start right at the end they've seen something incredible, we'll dive into the story in a bit but they've seen something incredible, and the question goes out, who is this? Who is this? How can a man command nature? We thought he was a good teacher, but this? This is extraordinary. So let's look at the story, uh, the narrative, the power of Jesus displayed. Look at the detail of the stories. Mark brings this. Uh, to us. Look at verse 35. That day when evening came. Mark even notices the time of day. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Uh, by the way, it's the same day uh, as Mark 4, 1 to 20 that we looked at last week. When Jesus was teaching about the parable of the sower, seed, the soil, 
the same day as Jesus taught uh, those parables. And off he goes, tired at the end of a long day. He's saying to his boys, come on boys, let's go. Let's get to the other side. We're going and we're getting to the other side. Just keep that in mind uh, as we dive on uh, to the story. Look at the other detail, verse 36. There's other boats with them. Ah, that's perhaps not a big deal, but, but Mark includes detail. We see that Mark, as it's thought, is, he's, he's gleaning everything he can from Peter, the eyewitness, the one who was present. Verse 36, leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. So there were also other boats with him. And then, verse 37, a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. It wasn't uncommon on the Sea of Galilee. The mountains that surround the sea, around 700 metres below sea level, and so the southwest winds would come over the Mediterranean and down into this cauldron, this basin, and swirl around still violent storms today are reported. It's not uncommon, but these guys are seasoned fishermen. They've been on the waves. They know each square metre of water. They get it. They've been there before. You see it in your mind's eye. A, a boat perhaps 26 by 7 feet. It's not big. It's tossed around by this squall, also known as the shark. This wind. The waves. Uh, it, it's, it's treacherous. Where's your mind go to? A perfect storm. Bell Mountain of the Year. When is that? The 90s. Maybe Moana, most recent. Where does your mind go to in that moment? A little boat tossed around by the waves as the wind and the rain batter it. And look at verse 38. <coughs> the end of verse 38. No, but the beginning, sorry. Jesus was in the stern and he's sleeping on a cushion. It's just a great contrast. Everything around is going wild. Pelted with rain. The waves are getting higher. Look what's happening to the boat. It, it's nearly swamped. So, so the water's over the boat and they're nearly going down. And look at the contrast. Here's Jesus. And he's sleeping. Look at the detail from Mark. On a cushion. What Jesus was dreaming about. Lying there, I'm in charge of this. I can sleep anywhere. Colossians 1 verse 16 says, For in him, that's Jesus, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He, Jesus, is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Look what Jesus does. He calms the storm. He stills the raging tempest. Verse 39, he got up. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Imagine that moment before the disciples' eyes. Fear for their lives. 
water swamping the boat. They're busy bailing. They're screaming at each other to work harder. Simon, sort that. James, get that done. And Jesus stands up. I don't know what the scene was. Can you imagine it in your mind's eye? Quiet. Be still. Maybe a bit louder. Quiet. Be still. However, he did it. What happened? Then the wind died down. And it was completely calm. He speaks. That's how he does it. He speaks. Similar to Genesis chapter 1. And God said, let there be light. And there was. This time there's a rebuke of the wind. You see that? He rebuked the wind. And then he addresses the waves. That language of rebuke, it's used later on in chapter 5. Whenever Jesus commands the evil spirit to come out, there's a rebuke. Nothing will stand in the way of the gospel going forth. Nothing will stand in the way of the God in human form who has come down on a rescue mission. Verse 8 of chapter 5. For Jesus has said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. It's the same language. It's the rebuke. And Jesus is saying to the storm, huh, it's like putting a muzzle on it. And then keeping the storm muzzle. It's like the headmaster that marches into the room and shouts, Quiet! And stay quiet! storm isn't going to rise again. It's complete power. And complete authority over all creation. No one else can do this. Perhaps the wind can stop in a moment. Have you ever been outside and the wind completely calms down on a mountainside? Gales around you, then it stops all of a sudden. Perhaps coincidence can make that happen. But the waves of a storm, they take days to subside. No one else can do this. I remember a friend who came into a bit of money and one of the first things he did stupidly uh, was fit his house uh, full of light fittings um, yet were controlled by voice command. <laughs> <laughs> Idiot. But for one evening when I visited the house I spent most of the evening walking around shouting lights on Really quite, I mean an idiot because he spent thousands of pounds <laughs> on it. That's perhaps as close as I'm going to get to this moment. When Jesus tells the wind and the waves, he rebukes them. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. Power over everything. Why? Because he is over and you see verse 35, the beginning of this story, it starts a new theme of the powerful miracles of Jesus. We'll see next week where we go with this. The powerful miracles of Jesus demonstrating who Jesus is. Yet, the power of Jesus has already been demonstrated through his teaching. We saw that last week. Verse 8 and verse 20, the power of the seed sown, truth into the hearts of men. Paul later on in Romans 1.16 says this, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for every, 
that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Paul says this is where power lies, in the gospel. And so we've already seen the power of the Lord Jesus through his teaching. Never think that the miracles overplay what Jesus teaches. What they do is they come side by side and they back exactly what he's teaching up. The power is in his saving word because it is all about him. What's going to happen later on in Mark's gospel. Power over everything because he is over everything. First point, the power of Jesus displayed. But secondly, the power of Jesus is to be trusted. Because if the power of Jesus is the only thing that we're to get from this passage in Mark, then we're certain that the story would have finished at the end of verse 39. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And you could listen to a talk, a sermon, perhaps from me, Johnny or someone else, that stopped there and challenged you about the power of God. Do you believe it? That he has power over creation? And do you believe Jesus is God's son? We'd stop there if that was Mark's aim. But verse 40 and 41 appear. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Why are you so afraid? Do you not still have no faith? We've seen Jesus rebuke the wind and the waves. And now, it's the language of rebuke for the disciples. Verse 40 is a rebuke. It's not an encouragement. Why are you still afraid? Why don't you trust me? And maybe this has deeper significance than first glance shows. The disciples are coming to faith. There's a journey of faith. They're walking with Jesus. They're seeing him. Chapter 8, we see the climax of this journey. We see it. There, when Jesus asked them, who do people say I am? And people said, Elijah, John the Baptist, Moses. And then he turns the attention onto themselves. What about you, Jesus says? Who do you say I am? And the disciples, well, one does. Peter says, this is who you are. And perhaps that's the journey that you're on. Perhaps over the few weeks at Town Church Bista, that's the journey that you're on. The journey... Of faith. Why doesn't Jesus encourage them? Why doesn't he take them, perhaps by the hand, and get them in a huddle and say, Boys, boys, I'm with you. I'm here. It's me. Why doesn't he encourage them like, like perhaps I'd like to think I did a little bit as leader of a church, as one of the leaders, or Johnny would? We're walking together. We're doing this together. Why is Jesus so forceful? Why is there a rebuke? What does he rebuke them for? Well, he rebukes them for being afraid. 
Why are you so afraid? So why is it that Jesus acts in this way? What causes Jesus to turn on them? Ah, you get the context, he's not going wild with them. But it's a rebuke, it's a stern rebuke. Why does Jesus do this? Well, look back at verse 38. Jesus was in the stern, he was sleeping on a cushion, and the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? See what happens. Total silence of Jesus leads the disciples to doubt. And you see the significance here. It's the only time in Mark's Gospel that we see Jesus sleeping. The only time. Total silence of Jesus leads the disciples to doubt. And Jesus will not allow this. They are to trust him as calmly and with certainty when he does nothing to help, as well as when he moves creation. You get that? Do you see that? Jesus will not allow this. They are to trust him as calmly and with as much certainty when he does nothing to help, as well as as when he moves creation. What's that look like for us? Isn't it easier to trust a God who works by miracles? I'll follow him. I can see tangibly what he's doing. But the problem comes when heaven is silent. When Jesus remains asleep and we hear nothing, Jesus, he wants to be trusted when he's asleep. It's easy to tell a story of Town Church Vista. I'm getting asked quite a bit, how's it going? What's happening? You started well? Oh, what are the numbers like? Perhaps you've been in those conversations. It's easy to tell an encouraging story because it is encouraging. Oh, do you know what? It's great. It's real fellowship. Refreshments are to die for. Should see us afterwards. No one wants to go out the door. We all want to hang around together. Great fellowship. Do you know what Chris and his band doing super? They're great. <laughs> love it. We just love being a part of it. And do you know? It's encouraging. Of course, it's really encouraging. But it's really easy to tell that story of Town Church Vista. Here's the reality. As in every church, as with every believer, every Christian. And please understand this now. It's not that I'm on some kind of pedestal, got this sorted, trying to tell you how to live it. No, no, no. I fail dismally. And so this is what goes on behind the scenes of my life. It's what goes on behind the scenes of your life. What goes on behind the scenes of Town Church Bista. I find my faith wobbling. It wobbles when all is silent. When Jesus seems silent and the storms of life are raging around me. What do we do when heaven is silent? What do we do when Jesus doesn't seem to be listening? 
when the illness does not get better, when the family member is still refusing to hear about Jesus, when all the church are crying out to God to move and to act, when the finances are running low and the looming debt is ever growing, when the job applications seem to be falling on deaf ears, when the desire for a child seems not to be heard of from God, when our prayers for a friend to become a Christian seem to be moving that friend further away from God, I cry out like the disciples. Don't you? Don't you care, God? Don't you care that we're about to drown? Don't you care with what's going on in my life? It's easy to tell the encouraging story at Town Church Vista. But it's harder to walk together when heaven seems silent. When Jesus looks like he's sleeping with his head on a cushion. Can Jesus still stop the storm of life? Of course he can. Yes, of course he can. But look at the Apostle Paul, caught in a raging storm, as the, back of the book of Acts records, shipwrecked after two weeks in the raging storm. Jesus wasn't there saying, quiet, be still. Did he lack faith? Oh, there's such... Dangerous things being taught in churches today. Have more faith and Jesus will act for you. Have more faith. Pray harder and Jesus will act in the way you want him to. No. See the teaching here? Have faith that Jesus has acted for you. And he will fulfill the promise to bring you home. You see this story on the water, it's a wonderful picture of the cross. Jesus is saving. See what happened at the cross? We're getting there, we're journeying with Mark and we will arrive there. This is what he came to do. And it's a picture of what he comes to do. The disciples in terror, about to drown. There's no doubt these guys were seasoned fishermen. Some of them, they're about to drown and he saves them. It's a picture of the cross. Have faith that Jesus has acted for you, friend, and he will fulfill his promises to bring you home. Let's wrap it up. Verse 41. They were terrified. And they asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and waves obey him. Look at that word, they're terrified. This word exceeds their initial fear in the storm. They were afraid in the storm, but now they're terrified. Well, perhaps the presence of the supernatural is more frightening to humanity than the most severe of natural disasters. More scared now of Jesus than their own death looming just minutes before. Don't you trust him? Well, I wonder, will our fear, and let's deal with this fear now, perhaps 
No, let's be more assertive. Our utter amazement that the Son of God, Jesus, God in man form, God himself came and died our death. That God that could, in a word, still a storm. That God, in a word, created the heavens and the earth. That God, in a word, who flung stars into space. That God came and died our death to bring us back to God. To bring us back to himself. Will our fear of him, our utter amazement of him, will that lead us to put our trust in him for all things? Will it today? And will it perhaps more so when heaven seems silent? When Jesus still seems to be sleeping with his head on the cushion, will our fear of him, our utter amazement of him, knowing that we don't have to stand now in judgment before him and be afraid because... Look what he did to his own son. Because he loved us so much. Poured out his wrath on his shoulders. So that we wouldn't have to stand in fear before him. But now we would walk through life in utter amazement and awe. That our God. Didn't just create and then head on. Say all the best. Get on with them. Town church fist. But our God. He created and then did something about our situation. It's that God that I want to trust. It's that God that I'm committed to trusting alongside you at Town Church Bister. It's that God when heaven seems silent and Jesus' head still seems to be asleep on a pillar. That I want to walk with you. Journey with you, journey with each other, and encouraging each other, not glibly, or thinking in a word or a sentence or a quick note that everything's okay, everything's not okay. But I trust in the God that holds the wind and the waves in his hand. And I trust in the God who's done so much about my situation that he sent his own son. To die in my place. It's that God that I trust. And it's that God that I need reminded of from you to me. From me to you. That will say, whatever. Ah, the hurt and the pain. But whatever, it is well with my soul. Because that's my God. See, this is the story. It's the story of a stunning rebuke. That's the story of the disciples on Lake Galilee. Let's pray. Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Father, so many times in life, so many times we come before you, and we're so similar to the disciples. Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Teacher, don't you care 
for my situation? Don't you care for my illness? Don't you care for my lack of job prospects, my financial situation? Don't you care? Father, pray that in the right sense we'd all feel rebuked. In the right sense. Because yes, you do care. And when heaven is silent and when it seems as though your head is still sleeping on the cushion, you want us to trust you then. Help us to trust you, Lord. Help us to trust you for who you are and what you've done, not on our current situation, circumstance. And we need all your help to do that. Help us to help each other. To trust you when it's really tough. When the storms of life are raging around us, help us to trust you. And help us to trust you when you continue not to answer. Help us to trust you because you have ultimately answered. You've taken our sin, you've smashed death to pieces. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.